And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my friend Greg Price from The Daily Caller. Uh, it's always a great time talking to Greg. And as always, we had a we had a great conversation. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, before I get to Greg, I need to say hi to our friends over at The Aetherverse. Okay, guys, you've been locked in your homes for months now. You've binge-watched everything uh, that exists. Okay, you've made your way through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and all that stuff. Uh, you, you probably watched The Last Dance on ESPN like three times already. Uh, it's time to put the remote down and put, pick up a book. Guys, you can't go the entire quarantine without reading a single book. Don't be a degenerate. Please read some fiction. It's good for you. Um, you guys are really going to like The Aetherverse. It is a brand new libertarian-leaning sci-fi novel by authors Joey DeUrso and Eugene Bryan. Uh, it is really terrific stuff. I started it this week, and I'm really enjoying it. The story is more relevant than ever. It makes politics and social satire exciting and fun, mixing ideological debates with awesome stuff like violence and space battles and action and all that good stuff. It has something for everyone, political intrigue, war stories, romance, humor. It appeals to libertarians and conservatives alike, or just anybody who, who hates big government, anybody who enjoys being a free man or woman, I think you will enjoy this book. Uh, best of all, it is fiercely anti-social justice warrior and pulls no punches. Uh, I'll tweet out the link and I'll include the link to Amazon uh, in the show notes where you can pick up the Aetherverse today. You can also learn more at theaetherverse.com. That is theaetherverse.com. And guys, look, we conservatives and libertarians, we complain all the time about the left winning the culture war and the left dominating media. Um, and most of us don't do anything about it, and we need to, okay? There's no point in complaining if you're not putting your money where your mouth is. Uh, support these guys. These guys are terrific libertarian authors. Support them. You can't complain about the left controlling media if you don't support conservatives and libertarians that are trying to make a difference. So definitely check them out, theaetherverse.com. And guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, uh, you can support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the no gimmicks podcast. All right. Without further ado, here is my chat with Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Greg Price. Greg, brother, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me back on, Brady. Absolutely, man. So we got a ton to talk about, as always. Um, as always, goes without saying. But uh, before we get to the real news of the day, I just have to complain about my own industry a little bit. Um, people without a basic understanding of economics drive me absolutely insane, man. And uh, this time it's people in my own industry, the music business, who are being absolutely ridiculous all over Twitter this morning. Um, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if anybody at, at home saw this. It's kind of insider in, inside baseball. But Joe Rogan, obviously the comedian, actor, and, and podcaster, uh, signed a $100 million licensing deal with Spotify. So starting in 2021, his podcast, which is the biggest podcast on the planet, will exclusively be on Spotify, um, and they're paying him $100 million bucks for it, which is just 
Crazy, crazy money. Good for him. So, like, every musician on the planet is is pissing and moaning about this. Like, man, Spotify doesn't pay us enough for streaming our music, and it's not fair that Joe Rogan gets all this money. One, when you're talking about economics, anytime somebody uses the word fair, I, I my eyeball pulls a Joe Biden and starts shooting blood all over the room. But, like, there's not a band on the face of the earth that produces three three-hour albums a week that averages 45 million downloads a week. Because that's what Joe Rogan does. He does three three-hour-long podcasts a week. Each episode averages 15 million downloads. That's more I mean, that's more traction than Game of Thrones, dude. That's more than Monday Night Football, all right? And there's no musician on the planet that can pull numbers anywhere close to that with that kind of frequency. So I, I'm just... Look, I love, I love my people, Greg. I, <laughs> I love the music business. I've been in the music business since I was a teenager. But these people really need to shut up. Yeah, I mean, people really, people really underestimate the, the type, really the type of influence that Joe Rogan really has. Like Joe wrote, like podcasting as we know it today would not exist without Joe Rogan. Like he, like because he came, you know, he was an actor, he was a comedian, he hosted Fear Factor, and all of a sudden he became a podcaster and. You know, like shows like yours and shows, you know, all your favorite podcasts, they really wouldn't exist today without Joe Rogan. And, you know, people people really like people like under the age of 25 don't realize that, like, Joe Rogan has such like the things Joe Rogan says and advocates for have such wide influence, which is why, you know, him talking about how he, he can't vote for Joe Biden. Like that's that probably has more sway with independent voters across the country than than any piece of campaign material from any of the campaigns we'll have. It's it's pretty incredible. And people complaining about how Spotify isn't paying them off just enough just don't understand the type of influence Joe Rogan has. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And I I, I don't even think Joe, Bi- or Joe Biden, Joe Rogan likes how much influence he has. <laughs> anytime he opens his mouth about politics, he's trending number one on Twitter. You know, the New York Times is writing articles about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he is. It, but how, how do you put a fair price on being the best in the world at what you do. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't get that. Like he is the number one podcaster on the planet. And like you said, this show probably isn't possible. We're probably not having this conversation right now. If it isn't for Joe Rogan, he single-handedly made the podcasting industry financially viable. Okay. But, but also if you're the number one dog in your, in your industry, I mean, he deserves probably more than a hundred million dollars. Like how much money does LeBron James deserve? I don't know. He's the best in the world at what he does, like a billion, five billion. Like, I don't know. Like how much I, you can't put like a number on how, what somebody has earned or what, what they deserve. You know, I don't really like the, the term deserve in, in terms of economics. Like he, he's the number one guy in his business. You know, he's, he's worth as much as he can get. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, his, his show, his, his, and his show is incredible because, you know, there's always these attempts to silence people that people don't like these days. And there's always, you know, attempts to shut people down. And Joe Rogan has given a platform to everybody, no no matter who they are. He's given, you know, platforms to Alex Jones. He's given, you know, he's, he's had all types of controversial people on his show. And that's really, really, I think that's why people dig it so much is because it's, it's really simple yet. Yet it's just, it's, it's entertaining and it's, and it's, and it's effective. And, you know, He's the best in the world, like you said, and deserves all the money he can get for it. Just a side note on Joe Rogan, too. I, I really like that he's unsilenceable at this point. 
I mean, like, the left tries to cancel him all the time, but you, you can't cancel somebody with that big of a platform. You know what I mean? Like, how, like if you take, dude, I mean, three shows a week, 15 million downloads on average each show. I mean, what, what does Tucker Carlson do in primetime on Fox News? He does, like, what, three, four, five million maybe a night? I, I, I've yeah, like, around four or five million. Four or five. So if you take him, I don't know who's on CNN and MSNBC in primetime. You know, Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow. You know, if you take... Those three combined, I mean, you're looking at six, seven, eight million combined. Joe Rogan doubles that <laughs> on his podcast, getting high and talking shit with his friends. So it's like, I mean, he is so big. His platform's so huge, he can't be canceled. And I think that's definitely a good thing. You know, maybe that'll teach yeah. the left a lesson that they can't cancel, you know, everybody. But all right, so there's a lot of important stuff going on across the globe right now, but we're supposed to be deeply, deeply concerned that President Trump is taking hydroxychloroquine. Your thoughts? I mean, if you want to look at just how ridiculous the media has covered this pandemic and just how, how ridiculous they are in general, they have they have asked more asked more questions and have been more outraged about the fact that Trump told everyone that he's taken hydroxychloroquine in the last 48 hours than they have ever been about Andrew Cuomo forcing nursing homes in New York to accept coronavirus patients, which led to almost 2,000 previously undisclosed deaths. Right. They've been more angry about that in the last 48 hours than, than the nursing home scandal. And that's really all you need to know about the media's priorities. Um, now, in terms of like hydroxychloroquine in general, like I've never, I don't understand the, the, the media's crusade against it because, you know, if, if obviously it's a, it's a drug that's in clinical trial and could potentially be taken to help, to help people's symptoms of coronavirus. And but they've acted as though Trump is going to get people killed by, you know, being being just hopeful about this potential, this potential medicine. And it makes absolutely no sense to me. I, you know, they attempted to blame him when the woman in Arizona drank, drank fish tank cleaner <laughs> and killed her. Like, it, it's been so ridiculous. And it just does. It makes no sense because, like, it's it's still in clinical trial. And if it if it turns out then it, that it can help people, we haven't you know, we haven't seen tests that indicate it does yet and that's totally fine and you can go you can criticize trump all you want for going full requiem for a dream on hydroxychloroquine <laughs> but but like it's just it's pointless outrage and it's it's and it's just the media just the priority in this has not been to cover the pandemic fairly it's been to, it's been finding every little nitpicky thing that they can to to criticize trump as they've done the last two years and it's not helpful for the country you just have to respect the president's commitment to trolling the left. I mean, this is serious commitment. He, he's because Donald Trump does not have coronavirus. He's taking hydroxychloroquine as a preemptive measure in case he were to get the virus, which there's no data that suggests that it can prevent coronavirus or something. You know, like he's basically taking this for no reason. And there is some data that shows that it actually can be dangerous to people that, uh, yeah, I believe Trump's 74 years old. So, so it's like he's, <laughs> he's willing to put himself in physical danger to troll the left. And I think he's setting a great example for all of us, Greg. We should all be as committed to intellectually carpet bombing our political <laughs> enemies as the president of the United States. It is just great to see you love to see it. I mean, yeah, like just you, and you saw it, their heads exploded. Oh yeah. As they, their heads exploded. Like it, it worked. It's just and, tremendous. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. And it's just the outrage over it is completely ridiculous. And they'll ask more questions about that than they will to Andrew Cuomo on the nursing home thing. 
And it's just, it's unbelievably stupid. Yeah, man. Yeah, they are a complete joke over in the press. But not to be outdone uh, through this whole hydroxychloroquine situation, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, said on MSNBC that Trump should not be taking chloroquine because he's, quote, morbidly obese. So, one, not only is Trump not morbidly obese, he's he's fat. I mean, Trump should definitely, hey, man, like, you're 74, stop eating cheeseburgers, definitely, you know, work out a little bit outside of just playing golf. But, like, yeah, I, I believe you have to have a, uh, a body mass index of, of 40, I believe, to be considered morbidly obese. And, and Trump's a big guy. He's like 6'3". So, like, he'd have to be, like, 350 pounds or something to be morbidly obese, and he clearly isn't. But, like, so like, I'm confused, man. It Look, I'm a simple man, Greg. You know that. I, I It's tough for me to follow the rules, keep up with all these changing goalposts. Are we, is weight on the table? Is weight back on the menu, man? Because are we allowed to make fun of politicians for their weight? I mean, can we talk about Stacey Abrams? Because that woman is round. But so I'm confused. Like, are we allowed to, to do this? Are we allowed to fat shame again? I, I'm confused. I don't know. Well, you know, the moment the moment some a GOP candidate calls Stacey Abrams fat, all hell will break loose among Democrats in the media. And, you know, as, as Tucker Carlson said on his show the other day, summed it up pretty well, people with glass faces should not throw stones. <laughs> that's, a good, um, that's a good line. I, I do, I do yeah. like that line. Yeah, I, I mean— like it's just proved. Like it's just a, it just shows that our our government is not run by adults. It's run by seventy year old toddlers who you know who just it's like high like Congress is like high school basically. Like they just they just insult each other and laugh about it and do nothing for the for the country on our t- on our t- on our on our dime. And you know our government is just full of small children and you should never take politicians seriously. And this is just another example of that. I mean, the funny thing, man, with with this comment from Nancy Pelosi is that, like, the Democrats can't hold a candle to the Republicans on, you know, foreign policy or economics or or anything, any real policy points. You know, like, the the general public, especially independent voters, especially in swing states that that both parties need to win, they don't agree with the Democratic agenda on anything. (laughs) They're not down with the socialism. They're not down with partial birth abortion, stuff like that. They're not down with letting Iran run the Middle East. I mean, like most Americans are not okay with that stuff. So, like the Democrats' best pitch is Trump is mean. He says mean things, and we don't. We're nice. Trump is mean. We're nice. That's their best pitch. And sometimes that pitch can be effective because Trump is mean and he says a bunch of crazy shit all the time. But like when Nancy Pelosi, it just doesn't. It doesn't hit the same when Trump insults somebody and when Nancy Pelosi insults somebody. Like she just looks like a petty. Just a silly little person, and Trump is is like ah, it's, it's Trump, just Trump being Trump, you know. But when Nancy Pelosi says this, when she calls Trump fat, <laughs> she's writing Trump a blank check to say whatever he wants. Like he can make fun of Pelosi's Botox, he can make fun of Stacey Abrams' gap tooth, he can he can say whatever he wants. It is open season on the Democrats for their physical appearances because they started it. They broke that dam, and they gave Trump a blank check to say whatever he wants. Like, why would they do that? That's such a strategic error. Well, I've said this a lot. One of Trump's greatest superpowers is making his, you know, most ardent opponents embody some of his worst characteristics yes. because they're just blinded by his hatred of him. Yes. And, you know, he, and we've seen that all the time. And, it, and you know, it goes back to, you know, Joe Biden's, essentially Joe Biden's pitch to the American people is, I am not Donald Trump. I'm good old Uncle Joe returned to normalcy. Um, but he's really not. Like Joe Joe Biden 
has spent his career as a cynical politician, just like Donald Trump. And most of these people, like Nancy Pelosi, have spent have also spent their careers as you know deeply cynical partisans in 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 Congress. Who and you know that's why it's such a they're so full of shit when they try to claim that they're somehow that Donald Trump is somehow like a, a unique moral degradation on American politics. American politics has been this way for a long, long time. Yeah, man. It's just that people people stopped caring about decency in politics a while ago. And especially on the right, they watched, you know, terrible people in the media and terrible people on the left try to tear down good, decent people like John McCain and Mitt Romney, calling them racists and senile old men and, you know, sexists and bigots. And, you know, they threw everything they had at them. And, you know, they found their champion in Donald Trump, you know, a kind of a flawed guy, just like we all are, who is just completely unapologetic about who he is and completely unapologetic about the things he says. And that's why and that's why people people like him so much. That's why he really resonated to voters. And it's and again, it just goes back to show like they're so full of crap when they talk about, oh, he he tweeted something offensive or he said something offensive or he attacks the, the media. It's like, no, you started this war. Like this, this war started with you and, 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 you know, the people, the the American people were sick of it and they found, they found, they voted for the guy who finally fought back against it all. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I I constantly have to remind myself as well that only 21% of American voters, registered voters are on Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most of those people are on the left. It's something like, I I believe it's something like 70% of political content on Twitter is on the left. Okay, so it's all leftists, and there's not many of them. And independents are just not on Twitter watching whatever weird stuff that, that Trump retweets and, and stuff. You know, it's just not part of the, the broader lexicon of American politics right now. But let's let's change gears here. Let's talk about uh, some of some good news um, regarding opening up this, this frickin' economy, uh, finally. Look, I'm at the point with that with all the positive news coming out of states like Florida, Georgia, and Texas— none of which saw any kind of spike in cases at all since since opening up their economies. Um, the only logical conclusion is that blue state governors are trying to create as much economic destruction as physically possible to hurt Trump's chances in November, right? I mean, I, I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's Occam's razor <laughs> at this point. That's the most logical conclusion you can come to at this point. I don't really think there's another explanation. Well, so... Something the media has been ignoring about, you know, the outcry over the fact that Georgia and Florida and Texas have started opening up is the fact that there are several blue state governors who have also begun opening up their states, like Jared Polis in Colorado and Ned Lamont in Connecticut, where I used to live. They have both moved on to, uh, you know, phases in reopening, and that's really been ignored by the media. But, you know, I I think you're right. I think there is there is an attempt from people on the left politicians to use this crisis in order to hurt Trump's chances of winning in November in November but I think I think it's a little deeper in that I think you know you, you give people you, you give you know they, they have all this power now in this pandemic to essentially do whatever they want and I think they see it you know even even if data all the data suggests that the lockdowns have not stemmed stemmed the tide of coronavirus and even if even if there's all the data in the world to show that, I think they just they see it as their moral authority to keep the country shut down and tell the people 
that they're keeping them. If you don't listen to them, you're, you're putting in danger. Um, you're putting in danger your, your fellow citizens. And I think, you know, there, there's always a human tendency to double down because you see it as a moral good. And I think that's what's really motivating a lot of the people like the leaders in L.A. County who are now saying they're going to keep the economy shut down and for the entire summer, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> and I, like that's that's how I see their motivations. I think it's a little bit of like you said, I think they're, you know, obviously they're partisans and they want to they want to beat Donald Trump in November. But I just think I just I just think, you know, they're, they're drunk on power and they, they think that they're acting in a as in a more in a moral way by, you know, even even though they're really not, you know, there's like they always say, like, how many lives are you willing to kill to, you know, go get a haircut, which is just a stupid argument. But like my <laughs> response to that would be, how many people are you willing to kill? Like, how many people are you willing to kill from deaths of despair? Yeah, from suicides and drug overdoses, how many businesses are you willing to have their doors closed forever because you know you're you th- think because you know you think you're just being a moral crusader by keeping this economy shut down and it's really it's really ridiculous and it's really it's really dumb and especially like I'm at like I'm in DC where like this is like the one time ever that anyone has ever cared about DC city government right and this is like the one time anyone knows who the mayor of Washington DC is. And I think people are just relishing in that power. Yeah, man. I mean, it is the most predictable response in the history of the world, right? I mean, it's the ring of power from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, like, if you give if you give a leftist authoritarian, a closeted authoritarian, unlimited power, I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to think that that person would want to lay down that, that power. I mean, it's, it just doesn't happen, man. It's Lord of the Rings. Of course, if you give a Gavin Newsom... Somebody who literally, in the operating room, when he was, his mother was giving birth, Kale to the Chief was playing in the background, and he hears it in, in his head every time he wakes up in the morning and goes to bed at night. Okay, if you give that guy unlimited authority to control people's lives, yeah, he's not going to throw that thing into the volcano, brother. It's just not going to happen. So uh, I saw this coming. I assume that most conservatives saw this coming. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the predictable... Like We always see this during times of crisis. People always... People, politicians will always exploit a crisis, um, will always exploit a crisis for their, you know, political priorities. As Rahm Emanuel said, you know, the former White House chief of staff, never let a good crisis go to waste. And that's really the mentality of a lot of these people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, uh, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, is going to be president one day, isn't he? <laughs> um, uh, National Review had a great piece this morning about about. Ron DeSantis saying, you know, where do, where does DeSantis go to get his apology? Um, I think he's going to the White House in 2024. If if I were a betting man, um, which I occasionally am, not often, but I, I would I'd put good money on Ron DeSantis being a front runner for the GOP nomination. You know, in, in 2024 or 2028, something like that. Um, I mean, even aside from coronavirus response. Pretty much every call he's made since taking office has been the correct one. The guy's been on a heck of a run, and he's handled this crisis better than just about any other governor, him and, and maybe Greg Abbott um, of Texas. But, yeah, man, uh, people said that, that Ron DeSantis was Hitler, and he was trying to kill your grandparents, and he's very, very bad, evil man. And, you know, uh, dude, he's made every—he's checked off all the boxes, man. He's handled this the, better than any other governor in the country. He is owed a giant, massive apology from the left. And he's never going to get it. Of course not. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I want to think about 
this election first before right, we get right, into right, right, right. any other elections. And I'm I'm done predicting elections after 2016. Oh no, but, I've, I've, yeah, never, I've never predicted yeah. anything correctly. By the way, just uh, I'm like over <laughs> neither have I over a hundred at but, this point. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, he's he's got one of the highest approval ratings of any governor in the United States of America. He's He's got a hot, he's got a pretty good approval rating among even Democrats in Florida. Right. And the media and Democrats will never give him credit for it. And you know, even though he has made all of the right calls, it's you know the the focus has been not on New York, on Andrew Cuomo and Bill De Blasio, who have made every single wrong call you could possibly make during this crisis. The focus has been on on Brian Kemp and Ron DeSantis, even though. You know, their states have largely seen declines in uh, their, their, their states have largely seen declines in numbers of deaths since they announced their reopenings. And it's just a testament to how ridiculously unfair the media is to Republicans that they've, you know, they've asked more questions about Georgia's reopening than they have about the nursing home scandal in New York. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, man. Couldn't agree more. Um, one last thing before I let you go, Greg. Uh, we are learning more and more um, in the middle of one of the worst political scandals in recent memory, certainly. I'm talking about Obamagate. Um, before we jump into the latest, and, I, and I'll, I'll let you lead that, but uh, it's just funny to me, man. Through this Obamagate fiasco, obviously everybody who's ever heard the show knows how much I hate the, the corporate press. I can't stand the news media, but it's just... I don't know why I'm still surprised at this point. I really shouldn't be anymore, but it's it's still shocking to me that we have a news media who have taken it upon themselves to suppress the news. <laughs> like, we have an anti-news media. Like, the news media's job, they, so they say, is to keep the news from reaching the masses. It's incredible what we're seeing from the corporate press right now. What's the latest on Obamagate, Greg? Well, if you've missed the news breaking over the last like two weeks or so, it's become clearer and clearer and clearer every single day that the Obama administration during the Trump transition in the last days that they were in office have abused the unmasking power in order to target members of the Trump of the Trump team. Now, essentially what that means is when when the intelligence community does surveillance on foreign targets, sometimes American citizens get caught up in it. And their identities are always masked. They're they're labeled as U.S. Person One, but they can request to unmask if the the identity of a U.S. citizen talking to the foreign individual that they're surveilling. There's a whole process that has to be done in order to get it approved. And it's become clear that these people engaged in a deliberate targeting of Michael Flynn um, with the you know amounts of unmasking requests by people from. James Clapper to the Surgeon General in the in the last in the last few days of the of the Obama administration. And that's become clearer and clearer. And the media has acted as though it's a conspiracy to suggest that President Obama may have known about this, that this went all the way to the top, that it was a deliberate targeting of Michael Flynn and other members of the Trump transition team and Trump campaign. And 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 they've act, and the same people who pushed Russia, 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 who suggested Trump was a Russian agent for the last two years, have now done everything in their power to suppress all the news that is breaking, that is that breaks every single day about about Spygate and about you know documented attempts by 
people in the Obama admin to spy on Michael Flynn and other members of the of the Trump campaign. And it's unbelievably ridiculous. And it's it's just like this could potentially like like this could potentially be a major, major scandal. And people aren't going to go to jail for it because unmasking is not illegal, but it's a gross abuse of power on the level of Watergate. If you know, we eventually learn that this if all of our assumptions are eventually confirmed and that this did and that this did go all the way to the top and. You know, what the news that broke yesterday was Rick Grinnell, who's been a beast in this entire thing, the acting DNI, declassified an email that Susan Rice sent to sent to herself on Inauguration Day talking about a January 5th meeting in the Oval Office between Obama, Biden, Sally Yates and James Comey, where they gave updates on the investigations into Michael Flynn. And she wrote three times in this letter that the investigations were proceeding, quote, by the book. And, you know, the media and Democrats just seized on that line by the book as if to suggest that because Susan Rice, which how many I don't know how many times you send emails to yourself ensuring that you're doing everything <laughs> right. I don't I don't know if that's a common thing to do, but they were acting as though case closed. And like Susan Rice, who lied through her teeth repeatedly about Benghazi, who I, I dug up this old clip because that's what I like to do is dig up as be the old takes exposed guy. I dug up an old clip of her on PBS from 2017 claiming that she had no, no knowledge of of un, the unmasking of Michael Flynn and other Trump associates, which was obviously a lie at the time and became even more obvious now with this declassified email. So this woman who is a known liar. Obviously, we should trust her when she sends an email to herself on the last day of the Obama administration, ensuring that everything is proceeding by the book. Obviously, nothing to see here, guys. Obviously, we should trust her. And, you know, you know, the news, obviously, the news is going to continue to break. We've, we've been doing great reporting on it at the Daily Caller. Um, our guy, Chuck Ross, has been on top of this story for that since 2017. And he, he even wrote one today, suggest that where GOP Senator are becoming increasingly worried that these unma- that un- that these unmasking requests went even further back than than the Trump transition. So we're going to see more of this stuff break. The media is going to try to suggest that it's a big cons- that Obamagate that quote Obamagate is a big conspiracy. But the bottom line is we're going to see more of we're going to see more information about this, and we'll we'll see. Like we'll we'll see if all of our assumptions are confirmed. I would say this would be a scandal on the level of Watergate if an oncoming administration abused the unmasking power to target members of the Trump campaign. Like that's that's a major scandal. And that should, but, you know, the only scandal the Obama admin ever had was that he wore a tan suit. Yeah. Like, I just don't get it, though, man. Like, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think for independent voters, the whole who are you going to believe Susan Rice or your lying eyes. <laughs> like, I just don't think that's going to work, man. There's too much evidence here. Wouldn't the smarter play be to try to shield Obama and Biden from this? Like, it wouldn't, just tactically speaking, obviously they don't really have to care about, they don't care about tactics too much because they know that the press will protect any Democrat for any reason. I mean, you know, like, that's just how the press operates. But wouldn't, the better tactic would just to be to throw Susan Rice and James Comey and Peter Strzok and these guys under the bus and say, yeah, they, they messed up, but you know, Obama didn't know anything about it. Biden didn't know anything about it. Like, wouldn't that be 
better than this whole deny everything tactic they're taking and try to claim that we're all conspiracy theorists or something. Because the, the, the public is not going to buy that, man. There's too much smoke here. There's too much smoke to do to the whole, who are you going to believe, Obama or your lying eyes? I mean, I just don't think that's going to play. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, you're obviously right, but that relies on the assumption that the media isn't full of complete morons. Which And so they're, they're going to do every, they do everything they can to shield you know, all these people in the Obama administration who were engaged in corrupt activity. They've never asked any serious questions to, to Andy McCabe or James Clapper or John Brennan. They've never, you know, Andy McCabe admitted to lying to the FBI and got off scot-free. Michael Flynn was caught in a perjury trap and he was, he almost went to jail if the, if the DOJ hadn't dropped his case, you know, the other week. Um, they're, they're gonna, you know, Obama, like, we're, we're seeing like basically what we saw for eight years under Obama, which is the media just came out every single day and literally just licked, licked his chops and, you know, criti- you know, criticizing Barack Obama in any way is just, is it's a sin in, in, the, in the case of the media. But, you know, we'll see. There's a lot, as you said, there's a lot of smoke here and we're going to, and, you know, I hope we do learn and we, I hope we learn how far up this went and what the details of it were and how far back it may have went. And we should also learn how all this stuff got leaked in the first place, because I forgot to mention that before, which is that right. we wouldn't know about this if it wasn't illegally leaked to the, David Ignatius, the Washington Post. Like unmasking is not illegal. Leaking classified information is. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how much smoke it takes for the media to finally say, OK, the, as it turns out, the Obama administration did have some a scandal or two. When it comes to electoral politics, I think this could be our version of the 2016 Hillary's emails. I, I do think it can gain that much traction and put that level of distrust in Joe Biden. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think it could also, and on top of that, it could be the same as, as the Hillary emails was in 20, in 2016, where everyone will, where butter emails will just become, will be, will people will act like it was just no big deal that she set up a private server and received classified information on it. Um, I think, you know, Joe Biden has denied several times knowing anything about the unmasking of Michael Flynn, even though it's now documented that we, he was in the in Oval Office meeting on January 5th being briefed about it. Yeah, he kind of denied it. His his denial was weird. It was like, I, I didn't really know what was going on with Flynn. Yeah, I, I saw the briefings and yeah, I knew about it, but I didn't know about it. And that's all. Like it was a very, it yeah, was a yeah. strange, it wasn't like a denial. Was, like was, I have no idea what happened to Michael Flynn. Like it wasn't like a it was, believable denial or anything. It was a classic Joe Biden move of being terrible <laughs> at being a politician. <laughs> Just the worst. All right, man, I gotta let um, you go. Um, where can everybody follow you online and, uh, where can everybody check out the daily caller? So yeah, follow, follow me, Greg underscore price 11 and follow the daily caller get your news from the daily caller and you can subscribe and become a daily caller patriot for 9.95 a month we have content behind the paywall we have plenty of like videos we have exclusives like we had one with we had an exclusive Corey Lewandowski interview today for subscribers um but we're, we're doing great work and we have great reporters who are breaking major stories every day especially if you're really interested in keeping and being updated on Obamagate and Spygate we do, we do, we've done incredible reporting on that from, from our guy, Chuck Ross. Um, and you know, if you, all, all your, 
all the updates you need, check it, check out the Daily Caller and subscribe if you can. Absolutely. Everybody follow Greg. He's great. Everybody check out the Daily Caller. And legitimately, the Daily Caller does have some of the best uh, reporters in the country, sincerely. So definitely check them out and give them your money. It's only 10 bucks a month. You know, don't be cheap. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.